Dragon the Peck is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Dragon the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Hooson, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is known as the Scandal Queen of Winnipeg, brewer and spiller of tea, though most of this reputation is undeserved. She's one of the kindest and most generous of the baby drag performers, having only started her drag career about a year and a half ago. Since then, she's performed at a number of high-profile shows, including opening for Alyssa Edwards of RuPaul's Drag Race fame, and since recording, she's already made a guest appearance at Pop-Tart and become one of the two new organizers of Slant Factory, a monthly showcase for new performers. So without further ado, please help me welcome a daughter of the House of Wolves, Rose Mortel. Mortel and I'm a drag queen. Hi Rose. Hi. I've been waiting for this day for a long long time. Me too love. Rose first question do you have any scandals you'd like to share? Not at the moment actually. Nobody want to incriminate? No. Nobody you'd like to expose? This is your chance this is your platform. You know what I'll I'll have to think about it a little bit. <laughs> okay my, my first question actually is how did you become known as the scandal queen of Winnipeg? I think prairie started it actually or like something along those lines when we were in fort francis i'll be honest i don't specifically remember like (laughs) what i said to make her say something about me like spilling tea or that and then everyone just started to say it that's weird because i don't actually know you as a person to ever like expose anybody or start scandals per se. I think it's because I know a lot of tea but I don't spill it. I only spill tea if it's funny and non-damaging. So let's start from the beginning. It's early 2018. You're a scene girl with 5,000 Instagram followers or more. How many did you have? I only had like 3,000. Oh so you've bumped up since you started. Yes but like only by like 200. Iconic. Not many. Not okay, many. so you're a so you're a scene girl with you're an influencer. You're an incredible makeup artist. How did you decide to start doing drag? Well, I've always liked like drag queens, I guess, and like I've always loved like makeup and like just the like glamour and like beauty of queens, I guess. And when I was in high school, Lady Gaga posted a picture on her Instagram with Alaska. Mm-hmm. So then like that's how I found out about like drag queens in general but I always thought like Winnipeg was like too small of a city to like actually have a drag scene so I like actually never really like looked into things mm-hmm. I guess and then I found out that they did like I just saw things started seeing things on like social media and it was like oh local drag shows actually like happen so yeah wow do you remember the first drag queen that you ever like saw from Winnipeg Yes. Um it? it was Feral Moans. Really? Yes. Wow, goop. Yeah. I'm a Satina. <laughs> oh, I love that. I it was actually it was Pharaoh, Lita, and Prairie in the same night. And I also saw Kimchi that night. What was was it the It was the, the Yeah, it was their like Rainbow Resource Center. 
gala thingy. And what did you think when you saw them? I was, like, gooped, honestly. Like, I was fucking shook, so, yeah. Especially because, like, you, I think, are a really great kind of mixture of glamour and, like, alternative drag. Yeah. And if all you'd ever been exposed to before on the internet was glamour drag, like, Lita Farrow and Prairie kind of gave a lot of alternative drag. Oh, yeah, like, I was, like, shook as fuck, especially at, like, I remember seeing, like, Lita's performance, and I was, like, literally thought it was, like, the coolest thing ever, like, yeah, I don't know, she, like, took something and, like, these papers and, like, blended them up, and then, like, like, I don't know if she actually ate them, but she, like, fake ate it or something. Delicious. And I was, I loved every second of it. And I also think I met Satina that night, too. Mm-hmm. I had, like, fire engine red hair at the time, and she, like, complimented <laughs> me on it, and I thought she was really nice. So then I, like, told her, like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about doing drag, and she was, like, go for it. So, yeah, then I kind of, like, that's when I kind of started, like, thinking, okay, maybe I should, because... In the past, I had kind of thought about it, but I had only seen maybe a handful of, like, AFAB queens, like, actually maybe only, like, two, mm-hmm. and I had some online friends from, like, America who had, like, really shitty views of, like, AFAB queens, and they were like, don't do it, like, everyone's gonna, like, take you as, like, a joke, I guess, so mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, how everyone felt, Yeah. So now you've been doing drag for about about a year now? More than a year? No. Just just under a year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just under a year. So you've been doing drag for just under a year. You've been in the scene. Do you believe that you get treated differently because you're an AFAB queen? I don't think so. Like I haven't really had personally any issues with it from other queens Mm -hmm. of course there have been like comments made before like locally from other people but I've never like from any Winnipeg queens I've never felt anything except for like respect and like niceness from them like it was really nice Mm -hmm. what about from outside the scene like other people locally have like definitely made comments and stuff or they'll say like you know I don't get it like stuff like that and I've honestly just learned to kind of like say my piece and then brush it off because people either don't know you tell them and then they get it or they don't know and they don't care to know true and I feel like there's a difference between people actually not really knowing and people like not accepting it or like not wanting to like even care to like learn about like AFAB queens and stuff so what do you say when people are like affronted or surprised or just curious about the fact that like women and other AFAB people do drag I'll usually just explain to them like my perspective of how like I started doing drag and like what it means to me and most of the time they'll just understand it right away and be like okay that's cool but also a lot of the time people would be like isn't that cheating like and stuff like that and it's just like no girl (laughs) (laughs) so what does drag mean to you I definitely see drag like for myself I see like more the like performance art aspect of it than like the like kind Mm -hmm. of like gender expression side of it like for myself Mm -hmm. but also in a way I 
I don't know. I guess I do see both sides for myself because it's like, I don't know, all the kind of like typical things that, you know, like females are like supposed to do and like supposed to look like and stuff like that. I like in real life kind of like never really went with that and I never really wanted to like be like that but in drag I like to Mm -hmm. express that side of me I guess so like the more like feminine side so so then what are kind of some of the like first inspirations for Rose like what was it that helped you kind of develop your signature face your performance style your look I was definitely inspired by like Alaska and like kimchi and like Trixie I always really liked the more like exaggerated like paint style yeah there's also this queen from like Australia and she doesn't do drag anymore but her name was Rosie Foe and she was like the first AFAB queen I ever like heard about Mm -hmm. and she was like probably like my biggest inspiration for like starting drag and also for like kind of my style I guess mm-hmm. the the classic rose face that you're very well known for is you're like you said very exaggerated very huge very sculptural how did you kind of get to that level like was it something that you built up to or were you immediately off the hop like I want my eyebrows <laughs> to be on my hairline uh no I definitely like built up to it for sure it was just kind of like every single time I would like practice painting it was like okay everything's just a little bit bigger a little bit like harsher (laughs) and then it just got to a level where I'm like okay this is what I like Uh and then since then it's pretty much stayed like pretty similar just like some fine tuning I guess when I was interviewing Peppermint Fatty for season one she told me that the reason why she likes doing kind of a more exaggerated face is because if she were to do sort of a more like I guess like classical drag face which is like I guess just trying to look as feminine and womanly as possible which isn't like actually really that popular nowadays yeah is because she doesn't find that interesting she thinks that people would just like see her as just like a woman going out yeah I definitely agree with that like I do wear like a lot of makeup like every day so I think that was also, like, a driving factor of, like, wanting to have a very exaggerated, very, like, big, kind of almost, like, animated or, like, cartoony look. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah! You better be careful. I'm going to come take that wig right off your head and start wearing it for the rest of the night. Let's give it up for her wig. That is a good wig! Moving things along. Let's name Rose Mortel. Okay, so I actually had a first drag name that no one, absolutely no one, will ever find out. I want to know so Except bad. for, okay, well, Star David knew it because I was, like, friends with them before I was, like, friends with a lot of the other babies. So they knew it. And then they told Feather and Prairie. So those three know, but... Like, no one else knows. Why can't I know? Why can't the world know? Now is the best possible the time. The world can't know because it was literally so awful. But anyway, coming up with Rose Mortel. So, Rose is actually one of my middle names. And I've wanted it to be my real name, like, forever. And then Mortel, like, 
I don't know. I really like. Uh, this is gonna sound stupid, but I really like Lana Del Rey, and yeah. like, she has this song called Paris, and it's like about like a rich like French bitch, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> and like, so I kind of wanted something like I know that it's not French, but like, it like loosely translates to like deadly in French, so it kind of means like deadly rose, and I thought that was like cool for some reason. Wow. I just thought it sounded cool too. So. Elephant in the room. This I'm only bringing this up because I know that you hate it so much, and I want you to be able to address it once and for all. Mortel sounds a lot like Mattel. Yes. And for some reason, oh people my God. see huge makeup <laughs> mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. a white under eyeliner, and they're like, "You look just like Trixie Mattel." Yep. How? What do you feel when people say you look just like Trixie? Like I would obviously be lying if I said that she did not like was not a drag inspiration for me like I'm not gonna like sit here and be like I don't know who Trixie Mattel is Mm -hmm. but like my paint and her paint is very different like people just see a harsh contour which like so many queens do everyone and a white crease which so many queens also do everyone and just think oh my god you have the same paint as Trixie and I'm like no I don't (laughs) (laughs) but thank you (laughs) like I know most of the time well, sometimes people say it in a rude way, but, like, most of the time people, like, say it in a way, like, that they're trying to compliment me, so, like, I don't attack them for it, like, mm-hmm. so. But is it annoying to you, or is it just, like, something that... In the beginning, it happened so much, and it would annoy me a little bit, but, like, now I'm just like, okay, like, calm down, Rose, like, <laughs> people aren't saying it to attack you, so, yeah. yeah. And I imagine it's mostly people who don't really understand the culture, and yeah. their first body of reference is like the most famous queen with yeah. very exaggerated. Exactly, makeup. yeah. I either get like kimchi or like Trixie Mattel, and I'm just like, okay. That checks <laughs> out. So you came into the scene at a time when there was kind of this like drag revolution. There's like this massive explosion of drag kings, drag queens that all came around kind of in that, that, that like mid 2018 yeah. portion, I think. How was it like? entering the drag scene in that kind of like revolutionary era I think it was like honestly nice to like kind of befriend a bunch of like other like young people who were like kind of like going through the same thing and like starting their like I guess like drag careers because it's like they understood like everything that I was going through like we all kind of like got each other's like struggles and everything Mm -hmm. So it was, like, nice to just have people that were, like, yeah, in the same kind of boat as me. Did their progression as well as yours, like, inspire you? Or did it, like, pressure you? Um, I think that, like, they definitely kind of, like, pushed me to, like, want to do better and, like, want to step out of my comfort zone. And they also, like, gave me, like, the support and, like, the confidence to do so, which was, like, also really nice. Like, I think it was... A good thing I definitely don't think I would be kind of like as far if it wasn't for like all the other like babies that I'm like friends with that like kind of like were supporting me and everything through it so so you kind of have I would say an unorthodox sort of entry into drag in that I don't know why I think that I guess just like because when I think of a lot of like the the babies kind of of that era it's kind of like PTE or somehow like PTE adjacent 
Yeah. Kind of. I'm not sure why I'm thinking that, but <laughs> your your entry into the world of drag, the, your very first steps into the scene were very different. What was that like? Yeah, so, like, I pretty much just, like, started, started like, going to shows in drag and, like, meeting people and stuff and then, like, meeting other babies and then they would be like, oh, you know, there's, like, this open show happening and stuff. And, like, I remember, um, I think it was, like, Stara told me about this one open show, and I had, like, never performed on my own before. Couldn't get it off work, and I was, like, so upset about it. But so my first show was actually, like, a, the Slunt Halloween show. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, the, like, first show that I did that, like, wasn't a Slunt was, like, the bad and bougie ball part one wasn't that all the way in february no when was that that was in november oh okay yeah and slaytana asked me to be in that amazing mess and it was fun (laughs) there's a lot of different ways that i want to go off that question first of all that first halloween show ghouls and fools yes that was iconic first of all it gave birth to one of i think the most iconic rose mortel looks which is the like chip china doll yes clown baby yes what's your affinity to that because you've pulled that one out and you've reinvented that one quite a few times and it's kind of this like alter ego of rose at this point yeah so like i don't know honestly as much as i love kind of my like original face that's a hundred percent my favorite look to do like my favorite like i've kind of created different like variations of that like doll look and those are my favorite like types of numbers to perform like if i could like get away with like (laughs) doing it every single time i probably would but like yeah i don't know that was just like very inspired by like melanie martina's first album Mm -hmm. and yeah so the first song i ever performed was pity party and i just had like so much fun with it and i had so much fun like doing that paint and everything that i just wanted to like do it forever like if i could like that every single day I would be (laughs) (laughs) so that was October November of 2019 as we are recording it you've had a whirlwind of a year yes kind of going from performing like just starting out to performing how often do you think you perform I want to say like almost every week but like not every week how does that feel to have your life kind of completely sort of do a 180 in that in that year I honestly wasn't like really expecting it like so before the new year I had literally performed like three times from like October to December and then from like February until now it's just been like so much and like yeah I remember at like debut because I think that was like one of the first things that happened in like February Oh, yeah. People were, like, saying stuff, and I'm like, I'm so nervous. And they're like, why? And I'm like, it's literally, like, my fourth time performing. And they're like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it was just kind of crazy. And then there was just a bunch of stuff going on around then. And then it was, like, pride season. Coronation season. Yeah, just everything. Yeah, the summer's been wild. Yeah, it's been, like, the most fun I've ever had in my life, though. So, Yeah. yeah. Do you ever look back at it and kind of think, like, this is an insane sort of existence? Yes, like, all the time. Like, I always think, like, 
wow, like, Rosie Ergo, who, like, hadn't even, like, performed before, would be, like, so shook. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Because I would say that you are one of the biggest, like, baby names in the city. Oh, my God, stop. Kind of unadulterated. <laughs> like, truly. Is that something that you were hoping for when you started doing drag? Were you approaching it more as kind of, like, a hobby or something else? I was definitely approaching it, like, more as, like, a hobby. Like, I always say, like, when I started drag, I kind of had, like... I guess a bit of like selfish reasons for wanting to do it like just for myself like you know but like since then it's like I've like kind of like had like a whole like second family so mm. so what do you do drag for now is it more for the community definitely I would say yeah okay so tell me a little bit about this kind of like community connection that you've grown into because that's a huge thing to sort of embark in. Yeah, well. like, I don't know. I guess that, like, I've just become, like, really close with, like, a lot of, like, people and, like, my drag family and stuff. And, like, I always think, I'm like, what did I do before this? Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of on that note of drag family, you've had, since you were getting, you've kind of had affiliations with different drag families. Yes. And then now... <laughs> you finally settled on the House of Wolves under Feather. Yes. What is it about the House of Wolves that you think finally fits Rose Mortel? And what about the other ones? I'm trying <laughs> okay, to start a so like, um, Not naming names. Uh, the other ones were just kind of like not a good fit for me. Why? One sucked, one ran away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, uh-huh. like, Feather, I don't know. She's just, like, amazing. And she's, like, the best. Yeah. She's just, like, super supportive of me. And she's, like, always there for me, like, Drake or not. So. Mm-hmm. Who else is in the House of Wolves? Isabel Silver. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, a few others, but I've never met them because they, like, don't live here. You've done a lot of really high-profile <laughs> gigs since have I? little closet baby drag queen Rose Mortel a year ago. Yeah, you have. What are you talking about? Alyssa Edwards? Manifest? Yeah. The Pride main stage where you were like duo <laughs> Yeah. That's huge. What's it's been, been what's been the craziest experience of doing drag? Alyssa Edwards was like definitely like kind of a crazy moment. I had actually like bought a ticket to like see her <laughs> and I was like kind of like had just like moved a few months before I was like in between jobs like so broke and I like didn't have enough money to buy like meet and greet and I remember being like (laughs) so upset about it but I like spent like my last like 80 bucks like buying a fucking ticket to see her (laughs) so then it was like crazy like actually getting to like open for her and like meet her and stuff and she was just like the nicest and that was also like definitely the biggest crowd that I've ever performed for, so that was also kind of wild. You thought Alyssa was nice? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I thought she was really nice. That's so interesting. (laughs) Why is that? I don't know. Okay. What's been your favorite show so far? What's, like, the number one memory that jumps out? So, like, every time I've gone... Well, not every time, because it's only been twice. So, I mean, like, both times I've gone to Fort Francis have been, like very fun like everyone was just like very excited and stuff but also I would have to say like pride was like pretty cool as well for sure yeah pride was insane yeah thousands and thousands that was like yeah another big crowd I don't know it's kind of like fun like having that like 
energy like a lot of people being there yeah it's a weird kind of like star power moment yeah where you like get to live (laughs) like a like a like a like a celebrity yeah i always call it like my like hannah montana life yeah yeah because i'm like just working at subway <laughs> like going you to are. school and then you're the subway queen yeah i'm the subway queen and then yeah it's just like crazy okay so you're still just like a year into drag yes what how how do you imagine this playing out for you what's what's like the end game for rose and if there's no end game what's kind of like the next step I don't know like honestly I'm like pretty content at the moment with like what I'm doing I'm just trying to like chill out a little bit while I'm like finishing school but I think afterwards like I definitely want to like kind of I don't know do some things (laughs) what's your what's your number one like bucket list dream honestly like at the moment, I don't necessarily have one. No? No. There's no, like, final, Because, like, like I think a year ago, like, this was, like, the dream. And I thought it would take a lot longer, like, <laughs> for me to actually perform and stuff. So I'm just kind of, like, riding the wave how it is right now. And I don't have, like, much expectations for things. Because I'm just having, like, a lot of fun right now with, like how it is going like I don't try to take it too seriously like I feel like if it stresses you out in like a negative way then you should take like a minute for yourself but like I like having that like good excitement stress that's what I love that is motivation yeah what's your obsession with that weird British mean girl Oh my god, I don't even know. Like, I just really like her. Is she a queer icon for you? I think so. And apparently she's going to be on Dr. Phil. I also had the most intense dream a couple days ago that I met her. And I was, like, actually, like, genuinely upset, like, when I woke up. And I, like, told my mom about it. And I was like, I really thought that I met her. Give me the synopsis. (laughs) So, like, she was in the city because, like, a club, like, booked her to do a club appearance but she was at club 200 for some reason (laughs) yeah and she was just there we were hanging out and yeah it was iconic you started out in the fame in the fame scene you were a fame girl yes in a way yes fame club girl like i used to go to fame and drag a lot I have a couple questions for you, Rose. Is that your real hair? No. This is really cute. Does it come in a 24? A PJ? What the fuck is PJ? Sorry. That's, um, that would be his most imperial song. Oh, that's PJ. Were you raised in Winnipeg? Yes. I was a Windsor Park girl. I love that. How did your family react when you started doing drag? Because your family is a very interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were all, like, super supportive of it, actually. Which, like, in some ways, like, from some certain people, I'll just be honest, like, shocked me. And, I mean, I'm not gonna... I'm not trying to start a family scandal, so I'm not gonna, like, name names. But, like, there was definitely a couple family members who I was, like shocked like would actually be like oh do you have any shows coming up like oh show me pictures and like 
would like actually be like, oh, that's neat. Like, that's cool and stuff. What was kind of your fear in terms of response? That, like, sir, like, I knew majority of my family, like, wouldn't care, like, in a good way. Like, they were, like, totally there for it. But I just was, like, definitely just scared of, like, certain reactions from certain people. Like, if they, like, thought it was kind of like fucked up or something that I was doing <laughs> it like but to well, be honest I don't think so like I don't think it's so crazy but like some people do so but yeah I don't know mostly everyone's just been like really supportive and stuff so and I feel bad because I feel like a lot of people don't know how supportive my family is because I don't like them coming to my shows yeah just because it makes me so so nervous so I do feel bad a bit because I feel like in some ways I'm like taking that away from them, but they kind of get it now that it has nothing to do with them and like everything to do with like how nervous I get when yeah. like they're there. So yeah, no, I can testify. Your family's very fantastic. Yeah, especially your younger siblings. What are they called, drag queens again? Um, bitches. I think they call them drag bitches. Yeah, drag bitches. I yeah. specifically remember walking into your house and <laughs> goodbye, drag bitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my I little siblings it. are crazy. They're the best. So stress is something that you deal with? Yes. <laughs> like before every show, even now? Yeah, like I get super nervous and like I always ask to like go early if I can in shows because like otherwise like I'm just going to be, like, super upset and, like, antisocial kind of until I perform. But it's weird because it's, like, the minute I step on the stage, like, even before the music starts, then I feel completely fine. Really? Yeah. It's definitely getting better and better, but I still get, like, super, super nervous. So when you started doing drag, what was the component of drag that excited you the most? Was it performance? Um, or was it like the look component of it or was it like the scene component it was the look component for sure like I don't know I used to call myself a look queen which is like I don't anymore because I don't feel that way anymore (laughs) but yeah like now I just like see the whole thing as like just like a whole Mm -hmm. like the performance and the look like I definitely like have to put more effort into my performances than my looks because I feel like putting those together kind of comes like a bit easier for me than putting a performance together but I've definitely kind of like figured out just (laughs) how to balance both I guess so Rose in drag is very seen but like no Rose out of drag (laughs) but in drag besides like the the like teapot yeah like doll look look, is like very like blonde and femme and like yes how would you describe (laughs) it well i don't know i really like vintage barbie dolls and i just really like you know like fucking big like blonde (laughs) long hair like the color pink everything yeah. But that's not really something that you would ever see on Out of Drag Rose. No, absolutely not. So why not? Like, how do you reconcile those two kind of components of, of you? I don't know, honestly. Like, I guess. I don't know, actually. I have no clue. 
<laughs> to be honest. It's very interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're very California in drag. Yes. And then you're very, like, Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I just kind of like to be, like, almost the complete opposite in drag than I am, like, out of drag. Like, I really, like, am here for, like, the transformation, I guess. And, like, I also just kind of felt, like, from the beginning that, like, the transformation had to be, like, very apparent or I, like, wouldn't be taken seriously. And I think that's, like, I don't know, kind of, like, sadly where that, like, partly, like, kind of stems from that, like, I felt that I had to do everything, like, bigger and, like, completely different from my real self. But I still love it. Yeah. But, okay, so... Now that you've been in the scene and you know that everybody thinks that you're absolutely incredible (laughs) and everyone in and out of the scene stands rose, you still kind of maintain that dichotomy. Do you think that's just because it's like purely now something that you love or do you still hold on to kind of that like fear of the transformation? Um, Like I've definitely thought about like doing like certain aspects of my makeup softer and stuff. And like I feel like part of the reason I haven't tried is because I still like feel the need to like maintain that like super crazy like transformation uh-huh but yeah i don't know <laughs> so i guess my question would have been before you started doing track why was the the kind of attraction to sort of that like california lana del rey <laughs> summer french bitch thing never like a component of of your of your out of drag presentation i think it was which just... is a very unfair question i suppose because <laughs> like why don't you ask that of everybody really I mean, yeah. Why don't you? Yeah. Just kidding. No, um, I don't know. I think it was just something that, like, maybe I, like, always, like, admired, but never felt that, like, I personally, like, could, like, do myself in some ways. And, like, I don't know. I'm also, like, very, like, shy out of drag and stuff. But, yeah. like, when I'm in drag, it's, like... <laughs> watch out loves (laughs) (laughs) it's actually like night and day kind of yeah i actually had someone tell me that the other day that like they're like you're kind of like scary and drag why i don't know i think just because i'm like more confident and like kind of like i don't want to say like a bitch but like in a funny way like i feel like that bitch you know so something to be proud of love (laughs) not actually a bitch just like i feel that way Iconic. Yeah. Rose Mortel, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, love. Thank you so much to Rose for sitting down with me. Our next guest is another buzzworthy queen, one who's never afraid to speak her mind and tell her truth. And her candor is never more apparent than in this episode. She's also had one of the most interesting origins to drag, through CBC's Now or Never in front of a live audience. Here's a clip from her episode. In this queer community itself, I think a lot of people fail to recognize that there is a patriarchy with it. So a lot of the cis gay white men don't realize they have a lot of power Mm -hmm. in what goes on in our communities. And you see a lot of boards, you see a lot of people who are big names, they're still white, they're still male, Mm -hmm. they're still, they're still like their straight counterparts. Yeah. And the only thing that they have to fight for is gay marriage. And that's about it. 
there's, there's a lot of other components. There's gender. There's gender identity. There's sexual identity. There's racial there's, identity. Yes, racial identity. What you eat in the morning. What area you live in. Socioeconomic status. There's a lot of things that people need to come to realize when it comes to who you are as an individual in the society. Mm-hmm. What you have, what you don't have, and how you can use the things that you have to give to other people who don't have it. Thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the lovely intro and outro music. And until next episode, please remember to always tip your local drag performers. You, you know what the other ones sound like, right? You know that I'm not going to do you dirty. Oh, yeah. Unless I do. And then what? Then I'll quit drag. <laughs>